0: Good morning, Monmouth. Everybody say good morning. good morning. Good to see you all and those of you online as well, thanks. Now I want you to give permission, first of all, in your living room or watching online to talk back to the screen. That's Okay. I do it all the time when I'm watching movies and everything, so you can do that this morning as well, because I'm going to invite us all to kind of talk together about some of these things. Uh, Again, my name is Troy Dean. Uh, I am originally from Southern California, but for the last 13 years, I've had the great joy of living in Oregon. I am the campus pastor and a professor at Bushnell University, uh, which is right down in Eugene. You might know it by its former name, which was Northwest Christian University for a number of years. Uh, We changed our name. One of the reasons was to to get more clarity because at some point, like, we got confused. We play in the same athletic conference as Northwest University in Kirkland and all those kind of things. So we kind of did that. But I've been here for 13 years. Uh, Just this last week, my wife was floating down the river with some friends that's a really cool thing to do, especially when it's 90-plus degrees in our area. But the Willamette River and the Mackenzie River right there is so, so, so beautiful. Uh, I, I have been invited by your pastor, Sean, to come and speak today. Uh, I am so thankful to be here with you all. Uh, my hope today is that this is both practical and personal for you uh, in your life. I did talk about the little fact that I was from California originally. One of the things I got a chance to do was a was church planted. that's what it kind of says on the, on the uh, bumper video, Uh, As a church planner, we're kind of making stuff up as we go along. (laughs) you are starting something new. And so one of the funnest stories about today is that one of the guys on the camera today is Seth, and uh, Seth actually attended the church that I helped pastor back in Southern California. And it's just kind of that full circle thing that happened, because that is a really long time ago. (laughs) I was 28. That tells you what it was like. One of the questions I love to ask any crowd I'm with is about this idea of calling. I actually get a chance to teach a class at the university on calling. Part of our vision as a university is to help students explore, uncover, and then follow the callings that God has given to them. Do you see what I just did that? I added an S on the end of calling. So many times in this world, we feel like there's this one thing I'm supposed to do with my life. Matter of fact, there's movies that even like make this big deal up. You gotta find your one thing. I just wanna tell you right now, that is a bold-faced lie. There's no way any of us are gonna do one thing. Matter of fact, that's why we're all tired, right? We're exhausted, because we're not doing one thing. Like, nobody gets to do one thing, all right? So we have callings. So part of my calling is to be a follower of Jesus. Part of my calling is to be a great husband to my wife, Don. Everybody say, hi, Don. Yeah, and to be a good dad to my three boys, Tanner, Dakota, and Chase, 21, 23, and 24. That's a unique season. Right? Here's a picture of us. This is how we bribe our kids to get them to come on, vi- on vacation with us. One lives in New York City right now, lives in Brooklyn, works in Manhattan. And so uh, we got a chance to get them together. Whenever we walk into church, we used to walk into church uh, together, we were all together, they would say, hey, here comes the boy band. <laughs> Not untrue. Uh, so what I chance I get to do is, is talk about calling. And we have callings in our life. And again, one of mine is, in my professional realm, is to be a pastor and a professor. So here's the question: In this room, various ages, different places and spaces, life. How many of you are still trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up? Can I see hands? Look around the room, right? So here's the crazy part about this, right? Like we all ask these questions on an ongoing basis. How many of you felt like you were even asking that question even more during the pandemic? Can I see hands? The weird thing about this time, and the reason why they're calling it the Great Resignation is because we actually had some space to ask some of these questions is this really what i want to do is there other things i could do there's this whole process by us we ask the question about meaning and purpose in life and i think it's really good it's important just a little thing i get to work with college students and from the past 30 or so years i've worked with college students they are in the season of life where they get to ask all of these questions they're bumping up against values. They're trying to figure out different things about who they are, what they're all about, what they wanna do with their life, all those kind of things. Can I ask you all a favor? If you're not that age, would you constantly remind those students, the, the young people in those ages, that they don't have to have it figured all out right now? Would you promise me to do that say yes? yes. Okay. Because here's the deal, I work, work with the students all the time and here's what they always say, well I'm supposed to figure this out already, I'm supposed to, they feel behind all the time, and I'm constantly trying to remind them, no, you get to actually try some stuff out, just like your parents tried stuff out. Everybody say ouch. ouch. Right? Like we did, right? Like we we have this expectation that everybody else is gonna like figure it out quicker, but we didn't take a whole lot of, we took a time to figure it out too, right? Like we had to bump up against things, try some things out, see if it worked, try it on for size, that kind of thing. And there's no, there's no, uh, another way to do this than sometimes by trial and error. But that's okay. The message today is about open doors. And, And the Christian world and kind of in church worlds like that, we have lots of cliches about, like, open doors. I think that this is a perfect message for many of us who are dealing with decision fatigue at this time of our life, right? Like, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? Now, we have phrases that talk about this. Like, well, hey, you know, I'm so glad God opened this door. I'm praying that God would open this door. And we even have, like, really, like, funny ones that, like, we could put on a plaque on the wall of our house because if God closes a the door, then he always opens a... Amen right like we totally know what this is right like it literally is the things you can buy at target right now or hobby lobby whatever your favorite one is right but is the problem is that really good theology or is that just a cliche you know which one i believe right the challenge is that we don't source our decision making really in scripture and how god has actually directed his people throughout the ages so today, what I want to do is hopefully get a re-chance to talk about what does it mean to follow God and what does it mean to really have open doors and what do we do with those in our life? So here's a quote that I think is one of my favorite quotes in all time. It says this, the whole purpose for which we exist to be taken into the life of God. Wrong ideas about that, what that life is, will make it harder. Right? It should be like Sherlock Holmes right there, right? Thanks, Sherlock. That was really smart. But yeah, If we don't have the right idea on the launch pad, the right direction the right trajectory, by the time we try to get to a destination, we're going to be way off. And I think that's what happens sometimes in our life. So I'm going to ask for us today to spend some time thinking about what does it mean to hear and discern God's direction in our life, and what does it mean for our life to actually follow Him. Now in doing that, I'm going to invite you into a prayer. And again, I'm a person you can respond to because I'm going to ask for you to say amen. Sometimes I might do the ouch obligatory ouch every once in a while, uh, because that one is supposed to remind us that we may not be in the right place. So we need some correction. Ouch is a good thing to say because it means, okay, hold on that hurt a little bit. Why? Okay. I need to kind of redirect or readjust. So I have a slide-long prayer that I'd like to invite us into. This means that we say it out loud together in a communal way to say, together to this day, in this place, we're gonna try to hear God's voice. Everybody say amen? Amen. Okay, so would you take a deep holy breath, fully present in this place, and let's say these words out loud together. I believe this day is a gift from God. I receive it as unique, strategic, and life-forming. I believe I have been given this one life fixed in time. It cannot be repeated, redone, or relived. I believe God is good and speaks today through the Spirit, His unchanging Word, and other pilgrims. I respond to the sacred moment. Interrupt me, teach me, change me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our kind of like signature passage today that we're kind of using as our launching point is out of Revelation. Revelation has a lot of imagery in it. It's very much a a book that talks about some prophecy and some things about how life is gonna be. But what it does is it gives some really good insight on how we're supposed to be ready for that time. What is God hoping to accomplish in our lives? What is He calling us to? And sometimes, what is He calling us back to? And His character is on display in this book. So the passage I wanna begin this morning with is out of Revelation three, it's verse seven and eight, and here's what it says. "To To the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, talking about Jesus. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. This idea of open doors is that we we have to grasp with the fact that we have so many different options in our life. There's decisions that come every single day. What do we do with those? Well, we have a God who's the God of open doors. Matter of fact, the way I like to say this is, I think our God is more of a yes God than he is a no God the reason why is because oftentimes we see God say don't do this or don't do that right there's there's the 10 commandments in which most of them are like here's what you want to stay away from but anytime you hear God say no to something it's usually because he has two better yeses for you let me kind of explain this God says don't do this he wants to do two things he wants to protect you from something that could be harmful and he wants to provide for you something better can I get an amen So if he says, don't do this, what he's saying is, hey, I want to protect you from where that ultimately ends or what that does to your spirit, your heart, or your understanding of who I am. And then I want to provide for you a better way. There's a way in which I can see in the kingdom realm of this world, what is really going on. And when I invite you into that, it will flip some things on their head. It'll be contradictory to some of the ways the world works. And you will know that it's better. We even sang a song just said about the better way, right? So this is what God's doing. He is more of a yes God than he is a no God. Now, with that being said, these ideas of open doors always require for us to have to make a decision. Is he inviting us into this? What are we supposed to do? And We have lots of language around this. This is kind of funny with doors, right? So like with doors, we can talk about the safety that God provides or safety of a door, right? So a door is like, my door is chained and locked, right? When you say that, what does it feel like? There's some safety, right? There's some security. There's some, uh, there's some um, protection going on. What if someone says like this? No one knows what goes on behind closed doors. Ooh, it's like mysterious, right? It's like something that's hidden. I want to see what it is. We also say things like this. She shut the door in my face. Oh, rejection, right? That sense of being totally shut out. Or there's a surprise, right? Or what's behind door number two? Anyone remember? Anyone? There's game shows that did this, right? And it was a surprise. And then, of course, those of you who are young parents, the bathroom door is a sanctuary. <laughs> How do I just stay away from the people who are driving me crazy? And that locked door is helpful. Now, uh, part of this message is inspired by a book, and part of it's of a book by Dr. Seuss. Does anyone remember the book by Dr. Seuss, Oh, the Places You'll Go? Some of us like literally hand it out like to everyone who's graduating for something, right? Or we received it at some point in a significant time of our life. Uh, and there was a book that was a follow-up book to that, written by another pastor, and he kind of plays with some of the Seussian language around Scripture. So that's kind of what we're going to do today. We're going to play with a little bit here at the beginning. In the book, Oh, the Places You Go, by Dr. Seuss, uh, it's a very interesting book, by the way. If you've read it, he has this great language about expansion of what could happen in your life. There's great things to go after. But he's also very, very honest about how there's heartache in life. And I appreciate that. I mean, that, that's probably some good, some good advice. But Here's what he says in the book. He says, congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head, and you have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose, except for when you don't, because sometimes you won't I think it's pretty honest right that's pretty helpful well uh this pastor in his book he kind of took the story of like Abram and Sarai who later on become like Abraham and Sarah and he kind of uses their story as a way to, for us to kind of connect to the the tension and the discord that goes on in our life and so here's some language around his story and her story Abram and Sarai today is the day so get your dad Tara and get on your way You'll wander like nomads. And I even think maybe you might have an on Angerian baby. This means they were really old when they had a kid. You'll be marked by faith. You'll be marked by a vision. You'll be marked by, you may not love this, circumcision. <laughs> like the stars in the sky, your descendants will be, though you will tell lies indiscriminately. You'll get lost and confused and be badly afraid. You'll wait till quite late and mistakes will be made. You won't know what to say, you won't know what to do, but all the peoples on earth will get blessings through you. With your muddled up faith, you'll do more than you know, and I promise you this, all the places you'll go. When we're faced with open doors or decisions in our life, there's usually kind of two different ways we can approach this. The first one is stay. Don't go through the door. Sometimes that's choosing what we know and what we're comfortable with, and it's Staying away from the unknown and the things that we're scared of. The second way is to go through the new place, go to the new place. Now, I do think that sometimes that new place is actually a new place. You're just saying I'm leaving where I'm at and I'm going to somewhere else. But I think most of the time, honestly, what God is asking for us to do is stay in the place we're at, but with a new perspective. Oftentimes, He's not saying quit the thing. Most of the time, He's saying. What is the perspective change that you need to have so that you could be my person in this place? Now, I think it's both, but oftentimes in our life, we most wanna say, okay, I'm supposed to leave and go somewhere else. So in that quandary, some more poetry connected to that. This is like Abram's response to God. What are the places you want me to go? When will I get there? How will I know? Will I need a design? Will I need a degree? Well, I need other things that you're hiding from me. Where is the map of your plan for my life? I must know all this stuff. I must talk to my wife. Good theology. <laughs> I'm old. I'm not bold. You're leaving things out. There are bales of details you must tell me about. Anyone feel like that at any point in your conversations with God, right? So what does this look like? The best definition I know of of what it means to uh, what an open door is, is this. An open door is an opportunity provided by God to, go, to act with God and for God. Let me read that one more time. An opportunity is, a, an, op, an open door is an opportunity provided by God to act with God and for God. Would you read this out loud with me? Starting with the word open door. Ready? An open door is an opportunity provided by God to act with God and for God. I think this changes the game. Because if we're facing, like, walking down the street and all of a sudden you found this huge bag of money, right? <clears throat> Powerball, anyone? Uh, <laughs> you found this big bag of money and you're like, oh, look, God provided it. I now can get the car I wanted and now I can get the house I wanted. But you have to ask the question, was it provided by God? How are you gonna act with God with that? Oh, I'm gonna tithe 10% of it. So it's gonna, I can act with God and for God. Or is it a challenge for us to go, oh, hey, the name of the bank is on the bag and maybe what God's asking for me to do is to return it. I mean, you're all hoping for a reward anyhow, right? But, you know, so what is it? This is a good filter for us. Provided by God, something that God would invite you into. To act with God. In other words, can God go with you into the thing? Or are you going to feel like you're kind of leaving God out? And then can you do the thing for God? In other words, it would give honor and attention to God. So a few principles I think that we can talk about, and these are some, some scriptural principles out of some stories of some folks in scripture about who God is and how do we access open doors. The first one is that, that our God is the God of the open door. Again, like I said, I think he's a yes God more than he's a no God, right? And the no even itself is like doubled up on the yes. And so some things he's inviting us into, right? So the open door. Uh, in uh, Isaiah, there's this prophet named Isaiah, and he's invited into this the, the temple, the sanctuary of God. And he gets this glimpse of God, and it just undoes him. He's just blown away by God's majesty and his glory. He's reminded of the fact that he is not God, that he's got sin in his life. And he asks for help. God heals him, brings forgiveness to him, And his response is this thankfulness filled with gratitude. And here's what he says. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. I think one of the reasons why I resonate so much with college students and work with them so much is that that was a significant time in my own life. I can tell you where I was uh, the Christmas year of my freshman year in college I was at a Christian convention. It was a gathering of students from all over California. And that midnight on New Year's Eve, we had this worship service that just was amazing. I felt in some ways a little bit like this. I was just, felt like I saw God, understood who he was, understood where I was and how much I needed God. And there was a rededication of my life to God. And the phrase was, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. And I'll say anything you want me to say. And that changed the trajectory of my life. I originally went to college to be an aerospace engineer. I mean, at least it's not rocket science. No, it is rocket science. And I was like, very quickly, I went, uh, my brain is full. Can I have a business degree? And I was like, yes, totally. And then, of course, I'm in ministry now and all this kind of things. That's not a straight line, people, right? So at the end of the day, like, God is asking for us to surrender our life to him. And he says, Where do you want me to, who will go for us? And I'm like, send me, wherever it is. Having known a little bit of his love and his kindness now again, words to Abram again, uh, his name gets changed later on to Abraham, so if you keep hearing that back and forth that's because of what's happening in Genesis 12 there's this conversation that happens, and the Lord said to Abram, "Go from your country, your people and your father's house, household, to the land I will show you, I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless you." those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. (laughs) Profound, right? The fact is that we come from a long line of goers. God oftentimes is having us to go other places, whether that's a physical location like in Abram's story, or whether it's to personally go to people who might be different from us, or something that's going on that's difficult in our life. I think one of the challenges today, when I coach with college students oftentimes, is having hard conversations, right? I don't know if any of us sign up for those ones, right? I mean, I do know some people who have the gift of confrontation. Uh, They're just looking for opportunities to confront people. It's a spiritual gift. But oftentimes, most of us are not. So sometimes our going still requires us to leave some place of safety. Open doors are opportunities, not guarantees. Uh, sometimes I think that we feel like we hear from God a particular thing, and he's like calling us into the thing. And when the thing doesn't happen, then all of a sudden our, our faith is undone. Because we've kind of placed our trust in the open door, not in the God who's supposed to walk with us through the open door. Everybody say, ouch. All right? Like, that's the, the correction moment, right? Wait, am I trusting the promise, or am I trusting the God of the promise? There's fascinating scriptures about this in uh, in the New Testament. In the book of James, James is talking about sometimes how we have this overconfidence and we don't really bring God with us into things. And he says this, he says, hey, um, don't say, I'm going to go to this place and I'll live this time for this time of year and I'll do this thing for this amount of time. He says, no, 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 you should say, if the Lord wills, we'll go do this thing and those things and that thing. I think sometimes open doors we think are just guarantees. Like, well, God spoke it, and he told it to me it was going to happen, so I'm just going to do that. I'm like, well, yeah, until the Lord doesn't will it again. So it means we have to stay in relationship with God. See, God's primary directive for your life is not for you to be successful at things in life. He wants you to grow in the character of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? He's more interested in your character development than he is in your geolocation. He really wants you to become the kind of person who is a blessing to all peoples. I mean, my hope is that anytime I walk into a room, I'm involved in a meeting, I meet some new people, whatever it is, that people are like, oh, good news, Troy's here. Not that I have some kind of superpowers, but that hopefully I'll bring some kind of blessing, some kind of encouragement, some kind of good thing. I hate to be walking in the room, and like, uh, Troy's here. (laughs) Now, part of that is like, he's gonna keep talking. I know he's gonna talk a lot. But at the end of the day, I hope that by my spirit of what God is doing in my heart and life, that I'm more and more like Jesus and the compassion and grace that he has for me, I'm extending to everyone around me. My number one goal is that everywhere I go is to extend love, grace, and mercy. And if I do that, hopefully I'm being a good representative. Our character formation is what God's interested in. I I like this passage out of 1 Timothy. It's very practical. It's the message version, so it's a little bit more of a paraphrase. But it says this, Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Which I think is funny. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. Our practices of every day walking with God Every day, putting ourselves in a place where I hear from scripture, I spend time in prayer, my abide relationship with God is what forms and shapes my character. Okay, another principle. Going through an open door doesn't mean life will be easy. Oh, do we want that to be true, right? No one's like, oh, I'm going through this open door and it's gonna suck. <laughs> it's a theological term, sorry. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, no, none of us sign up for that one, right? So, personal story, okay? Oftentimes, God has an open door for places we don't want to actually go. a number of years ago, And uh, when I get a chance to work on the campus, I get a chance to take students to different places around the world. We just finally get a chance to go back out there again. You know, the pandemic is kind of slowing down a little bit, and there's some things that are kind of giving us more freedom. And I'm stoked for that because I want us to be good news around the world. We do it in our community, and we do it overseas. So this last, you know, couple months, we team in Mexico, team in Puerto Rico, doing good things. I typically have worked for the last 15 or so years in Cambodia. We work with ministries that do church planning out in rural areas, and we work with organizations and justice-based ministries that are fighting things like human trafficking. It is work that undoes you. It is not fun. Just like there's injustice in America and different places here, we are exposed to those kind of things, and they should wreck us in a good way. I call it a good ruining. Can I get an amen? Sometimes we need a good ruining. Well... This particular year, I'm in this church. I'm sitting in the front row. It's 15 hours difference than uh, the West Coast, and I get a text from my son. Wi-Fi is still there, so we're still using that. And my son says, "Hey, Mom has had a seizure." Now, my wife Dawn, she has epilepsy, and so there are different times in which this has happened. And we've actually coached our sons and say, "Here's the deal: if she has a seizure," lie her down gently, make sure she's okay, she'll come out eventually, she's gonna be really exhausted, all this kind of stuff, but you don't necessarily need to call 911. Next text comes, she's having multiple seizures, we're calling 911. This is possibly my worst nightmare. My wife is in trouble, my teenage sons are there alone, and I am in Cambodia. The quickest I can get there is 30 hours next series of texts. You need to talk to the neurosurgeon or the neurologist at the hospital. Neurologist is asking for permission now to put her on a helicopter from Eugene to OHSU. She needs to be life flighted. To sum up the story, the good news was she did not have uh, an aneurysm, but she had a brain tumor the size of a large egg. If you put your hands together like this, that's basically the size of your brain because it's got to fit inside your skull, right? A large egg should not be in that space. It was not cancerous, but she needed surgery. Now, of course, my wife is sitting right here, right? Punchline, she's good. (laughs) That's multiple surgeries, yeah, amen. It's now multiple surgeries, but we're still there. But here's what happened. I am a mess. I have friends in Cambodia who are loving on me, praying for me, 30 plus hours later. I distinctly remember being in the chapel, in the little nondescript chapel that's in OHSU in the hospital. And I was sitting there and it hit me. It's still there. And they had a little book you could write a little prayer in or whatever else. And my prayer was this. God, I think I get it. Not everybody gets a healing. And we all know this, right? Like obviously, I wanted my wife still here. I mean, you all want my wife still here because I'm not good by myself, right? My kids would love to have a mom that's still there, but not everybody gets a healing. The open door is Troy. You have to trust God no matter what. You said, wherever, whatever, the moment of my life to surrender again to god that took my faith to a different place i'm a pastor i do lots of good hopefully good things and i understand scripture and all those kind of things but all of a sudden now i am to open hands with my wife before god nobody wants to go through the door that says brain surgery now Neurosurgeons, rock stars, oh my gosh, You know, rocket science, I give the points to the neurosurgeons, okay? Like their job is to open up people's skulls, take out bad stuff, and put them back together again. That's their daily job. That's amazing to me. And they told us that the particular tumor that my wife had was in a more forgiving place of the brain. So it wasn't like motor skills, or memory, or speech, or those kind of things. It was an area connected to her personality the pregnant question isn't it <laughs> and he's like so is she different <laughs> right I did slip him the five dollars I'm like hey man it, that part the little area stubbornness if you could just take that out while you're in there fiber for you he looked at me totally this I literally did ask this and he looked at me and goes no I can't do that And anyone I'm like so you're saying there's a place where there's a stubborn thing you could take it out but no so they asked us so is your wife different and all three sons and me we all agree She's funnier. <laughs> now, again, is that because we have a new lease on life? Perspective? Probably. So, again, doesn't mean that life will be easy. Uh, I would like this quote from G.K. Chesterton. It's amazing. He says, going through an open door, he says this, Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as it's been found difficult and left untried. Everybody say ouch. Right? Because the fact is, is that that. Following Jesus is not easy. If you pitch it to everybody saying it's easy, you're lying. It's actually the most difficult pathway you could take because it requires that you have to die so you can be resurrected. It requires that you're going to have to put yourself last instead of first. You're going to have to give more stuff away rather than try to hoard and keep on to stuff. A couple more just ideas here before we, we close this. The best way to discern big doors is to practice with small doors. Uh, so many of us have this story, and I think it's in our culture, that like, we're going to be an overnight success, right? Like, yes, it would have been nice yesterday to win the Powerball, right? I, I heard there was like one person who won it. That's kind of an insane amount of money, right? But we also know all the studies that say that when people do win, like, their life actually gets wrecked. So you're like, you got a lot of money, but your life is wrecked. So the challenge is that we don't actually, there's not such a thing as an overnight success, Every actor in Hollywood, any person who's achieved something would tell you that that's not true. Matter of fact, we had a chance to host the World Championships just this last couple of weeks in Eugene at Hayward Field. Pretty cool place now. I mean, it's beautiful. And I'm watching basically the Olympics happen, right? People are getting gold and silver and, and bronze awards, uh, medals, and at the same time, they're doing these things. But you know this, right? We just, we watch the lives of an Olympic level athlete and we know. They said minimum 10,000 hours at doing what they do. Now, I think it's even more than that, but minimum 10,000 hours. So sometimes we don't want to do the 10,000 hours. We just want to get, show up and get the gold medal. So this is true. In scripture, we talked about King David a little bit earlier. King David uh, was a shepherd before he became king. And before he became king, he actually had this epic battle with this guy called Goliath. Goliath was this massive warrior. Like, think of the largest, you know, WWE wrestling guy you could have ever heard of uh, with, like, a, you know, a huge uh, shield and a, and a spear. And, like, he's supposed to fight this guy hand-to-hand combat. Well, David walks up to that particular moment in life, and he goes, easy. And was like, wow, look at his faith. He's amazing. He believes God's awesome. And I'm like, yes, and David reveals, while he was been defending his sheep, he had to fend off a lion and a bear, right? He sees a guy, huge person, with a shield and a sword or a spear, and he's like, easy. Why? Because God had prepared him. He'd already walked through it. Matter of fact, there's an author named Malcolm Gladwell who speculates the fact that Goliath never had a chance. David could stand at a distance with his sling, hit him in the forehead, not even with any range of his shield or his spear. Goliath literally brought a knife to a gunfight. Now, is that God? Absolutely. And it's also God's provision and working in the life of David to prepare him for that moment. So sometimes we need to realize that God's asking us to walk through small doors first. Uh, One more idea, and then I'll give you a kind of a a, a way we can go forward today. um, Reject this myth. This is a myth that we all all hear. Choosing the wrong door means plan B for my life. Oftentimes, we will have the sense of regret and shame that's connected with making mistakes. We'll go through a door, and we feel like, oh, I just wrecked it. I just ruined it. It's over. I can never recover. And I just want to remind you of the character of the God that we follow. We have a God who is the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Do I need to keep going on? There's a story in Scripture that a son comes to his dad and does the unthinkable, asks for his inheritance before the dad is dead, right? Like, you literally walk through the room and go, you're dead to me. Give me the money. You know what I mean? Like, that's what he did. In that culture, he could have been immediately beat up and immediately rejected. He wasn't, the father gives him the money, sends him off. He wastes it all. He comes back home with this like ready prepared speech on how he did wrong. And then before he can get it done, he gets a huge mouthful of robe because his father has hugged him. Can you embrace and receive that kind of love in your life? No matter what you've done or where you've gone. If you go through open doors or doors that are not meant for you to go through, God is like, I'll work with you. I love you. Let's try something different. Now, wisdom is connected to all of these things. And I wish today that I could just flat out tell you that here's the way you go through an open door, here's how you know exactly which one is which, and this is the way you can best understand them. No, there are principles. You're gonna have to deal with some unknown. In fact, you're going to have to trust God and look for wisdom, which means wisdom is like being in relationship with God. Like if I told my kids exactly everything they need to know by the time they're 18, sent them out and never had another conversation with them, you would say, I'm a bad dad. But if I stay close to them, stay accessible to them, listen to them and walk with them, you're like, oh, that's a better, that's a better dad. God's the same way. So two last stories. What is my friend Rick. Rick is this amazingly successful businessman. Matter of fact, Rick has done, everything Rick touches turns to gold. I can tell you fun stories about Rick. Rick is attending this very large church. It's a very successful church. And the church goes, hey, we think we, you would be a great executive pastor for us. So would you come on staff at the church? And then he's torn because he, he could take the resources of being a good businessman and leverage them for the kingdom of God. And then the other side of it, he can go on staff of this church, help the church to fulfill its mission, and do good in the community. And so he goes to a mentor friend of him named Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos is this brilliant, brilliant person. Uh, he's kind of like the Billy Graham of Argentina. He's an amazingly spiritual person. And so he asks his friend. When Rick told me the story, he kind of played like the accent of his friend Juan Carlos. And he said, Juan Carlos, what should I do? Keep my business, sell my business, and go on staff at the church. And he said, his friend Juan Carlos said this, Rick, If you go this way and sell your business, God will say to you, I love you. You're my son. I'll be with you. I will bless you. But Rick, if you go this way on staff of the church, I will say to you, Rick, I love you. You're my son. I'll be with you. I'll bless you. He's like, thanks. That will help. Not whatsoever, right? It's the worst advice ever except for we all know that it's not. The scariest thing that God God could say to each one of us is, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I'll be with you. I'll bless you. We don't want to have to make the decision. Because if we make the wrong decision, we can just blame ourselves or blame God. But this requires us to stay in relationship with God. Last story. There's a very famous ethicist named John Kavanaugh. John Kavanaugh, is a devout Catholic, and he uh, had the same kind of thing my friend Rick did. He had this challenge, and he had this idea, and he like, like, I don't know which way to go. I need some wisdom. I need some, some advice from someone. He had the chance and could arrange an audience with Mother Teresa. Flies to India, Calcutta, has a conversation. Finally gets a chance to talk with Mother Teresa. Gets a conversation with her, and he shares his story about what's going on. And she says, well, what do you need from me? He goes, would you pray for me to have clarity about what I need to do Mother Teresa did not even flinch she said no I will not pray for that your prayer request just got cancelled by Mother Teresa she said this most of my life I've not had clarity what I will pray for is that you will trust God that's my prayer for you today in the midst of all the wonderful open doors that God will put before you and the challenging things of our world today and having to have discernment and wisdom, all that kind of things, I pray that you'll stay close to God and that you'll trust him.